The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Dana Games is the chief executive of Africa at Work. It's a business consultancy focusing on the African continent. And where is Kenya's president, Kenyatta? And what is he doing there, Diana? <laughs> Um, good evening, Bruce. Um, yes, he's, uh, President Kenyatta arrived in the UK today um, and, and hopefully will leave with pledges of, of uh, millions of pounds when he, when he goes home in three days' time. Uh, ostensibly, he's there to chair the Global Education Summit, but, uh, but it seems that he's mostly there to strengthen the Kenyan-UK strategic partnership. Uh, you know, Kenya has always been, along with South Africa and a few other countries, very much in the frame with the UK investors in in um, in, in Africa. And at the moment, he seems to be the the blue-eyed boy, if I can put it that way. Probably, probably not the best. Uh, <laughs> the Financial Times, but the Financial Times is is putting big numbers on his visit and suggesting there's there there quite a there quite a few transactions that he could be taking over with him. Well, you know, they apparently uh, were, were due to unveil 132 million pounds of, of new British investments in Kenya um, today and uh, with, with uh, pledges of another, I think, 200 million pounds odd in the next five years, uh, two billion, sorry. So there's a lot of money floating around that's at stake. I think they're really trying to position Nairobi as a financial hub in Africa, maybe not instead of South Africa, but certainly instead of Dubai, um, according to that, that very same article. Um, and they already have a very strategic relationship. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I mean, a lot of companies are looking at Nairobi as, as a base for their businesses. It's geographically more strategic than South Africa. We no longer have a national airline. I don't know if that plays into it. But, um, and, and there's various other um, uh, issues that people look at. So, but I think what it also speaks to is, is you know, the, you know we, we could learn a thing or two, certainly in South Africa, about the kind of economic diplomacy that these, these countries um, uh, exercise and that, that South Africa should be doing. I mean, we should be courting these big um, strategic relationships that we have in Africa with Kenya, with Nigeria, etc. But no, it doesn't seem to be happening. When you see all the pomp and ceremony and, and the kind of deals on the table, um, during this visit or Kenyatta's visit to the UK, it really does make you think that, you know, should we be doing a lot more? We don't have the financial heft, maybe the number of companies, etc. But we should be playing into into what are, what are our strategic interests in Africa and doing something about it. I mean, that's just a something that occurs to me in reading all of this. Um, you know, I think South Africa is still quite up there in terms of, of financial centres, hubs in Africa. Um, and Nairobi is Sydney ranked well behind um, Dubai and Sydney Cape Town and Johannesburg in the in the global financial centers index. But nevertheless, I think, you know, looking forward, we have to perhaps position ourselves differently in, in South Africa. And there's also the France is very much courting Nigeria. They've had big delegations to Nigeria, uh, from Nigeria to, to Paris, um, inviting all the top businesses, etc. So basically, also, again, maybe potentially eating our lunch. I mean, what are we doing about these relationships? Uh, we do have uh, still have a lot to offer, so um, we, I think we it raises some of.
We must certainly do. I mean, the French president was here a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, the, those channels are open, but one sort of suffers from FOMO when one sees deals going to other African economies. And I can't help but wonder whether this is a very clear signal from other economies that they're simply de-risking their South African portfolios. They're seeing what's happening on the ground here. They're not seeing the reforms. They're not seeing the economic progress. Uh, we are at the southern tip of Africa, and they're going, well, you know... Uh, why not uh, you know, spread our risk a little bit? Well, I think that's absolutely right. I, you know, you look at a lot of these countries, South Africa is still way ahead in terms of the, the business climate and various other ways. But, you know, people are, countries are looking forward. They're looking to see where is the future. Um, and, and not that they've left South Africa out. I think, as you say, that's important to note. But, you know, as you say, it is a little bit of FOMO. It's like, are they eating our lunch? You know, what what should we be courting those countries in Africa and making sure that the, that the European countries also don't forget about us? You know, so there's a lot of economic diplomacy, I think, that needs to be done. And I, I'm, I'm certainly not feeling it. Perhaps it is happening and I'm just not aware of it. But, um, you know, it doesn't seem to be the case. And South Africa has not been all that good at this kind of economic diplomacy in the first place. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But I think you're right. I think it's definitely a case of FOMO. It's like, are we going to be marginalized? Are we being sort of de-risked, as you say? Um, and given recent events, people are looking at South Africa with some concern. You know, I don't, it'll, it's too soon to say how that might play out in terms of these kind of uh, longer-term relationships. But we'll probably find out in the next couple of months or so. Yeah, talk about concern. I mean, Tunisia um, is looking a little bit vulnerable at the moment. Well, yes, I mean, you know, you might remember 2011 was the Arab Spring and Tunisia, Tunisia, it started in Tunisia. It had the most impact there. They had a revolution. They overturned the sort of uh, the authoritarian government of the, of the time um, and implemented a new government. And, and it's been largely described as the, the only democracy in North Africa. But actually what's happened is that uh, there's been a political crisis, almost uh, sort of, uh, low-level political crisis since then. They've had nine governments um, since the uprising, and that and they've been governed. They've been weak coalitions, and they haven't really been able to move the economy forward. So what you have is 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 this kind of low growth. It's like one percent growth in twenty nineteen in in Tunisia, and a lot of economic problems. The similar similar problems that to what um, uh, set off the Arab Spring in the first place. And it's been compounded by the surge in COVID cases, deteriorating health system, etc. So what's happened is that the president um, has actually fired the prime minister and suspended parliament. And that seems to have got a lot of support from, from the ground. But uh, people are worried that this actually portends you know, another big man in power, that they might be going down the road they were in before. Um, again, too soon to say. But, um, you know, North Africa is an, is, is an important region, partly because it is actually a buffer between Africa and Europe. I mean, for the Europeans, that's quite important. Um, but, uh, you know, you just don't want more turbulence in, in the region, um, which has already got problems in, in, uh, in Libya, etc. So it's a break. It's kind of a moving story. But it, it is quite it's literally a, a, a year, a 10 years since the since the Arab Spring and, and there's problems again. So it really talks about, you know, what uh, is a revolution? You know, what is a revolution, I suppose, if you back into almost the same situation 10 years later. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes and whether this is another autocrat, autocrat um, in the making for a country that's really um, signaled that they'd had enough of this in, in, in 10 years ago.
Are we seeing African countries beginning to emulate what Mauritius has been so successful at doing? And that is um, creating an offshore hub, creating an offshore opportunity, drawing a huge amount of investment, including um, lots of South Africans who've decided to make Mauritius their home, um, you know, buying properties and investing money offshore and creating factories and things that should have stayed in South Africa, but due to our, uh, our messy environment, people have panicked their way out of it. Um, Zanzibar certainly seems to be thinking it's in for a shot? Well, the Zanzibar um, government has been quite proactive in looking at ways to improve um, its economic sort of opportunities and so on. Um, I don't know if you've been to Zanzibar. It's it's quite a... um, um, It's not very developed at all. It is not a Mauritius, um, let's put it that way. But obviously Mauritius offers um, ideas because it's another beautiful Indian Ocean island and I think that's one of the big attractions um, alongside the tax and various other um, in, in investor incentives in Mauritius. And I think, well, you know, they're also looking for a bite of the action. Uh, they do have a beautiful island. It's not, you know, it's on a, a direct trajectory to Asia. Um, it's not far from South Africa, as you say. And um, so they've launched a whole a new tax and residency program for foreigners wanting to live and invest on the island um, and, and be given strategic investment status. So basically, you'll, it's similarly, uh, similar to Mauritius. Real estate investors will get residency without being a citizen, all kinds of tax benefits, etc. So, you know, currently the economy is um, dependent on tourism and spices. They've managed to be quite buoyant through COVID for, um, on the tourism side, and they're obviously looking at, at recovery going forward. So this is the one of the things they've come up with. I don't know how successful it will be um, and whether people will, will go there. I mean, Mauritius, as I say, is quite well advanced and they have a lot of, a big financial centre that people are taking advantage of already. Um, you know, they would have got the low-hanging fruit. But anyway, time will tell. I just thought it's quite interesting. You know, it's good to see um, African governments thinking, you know, thinking ahead, thinking what they can do to um, to to compete and, and to be to, you know, to be much more on the radar for people with money. I think that's all, that's all we, what everybody wants, really. So it's just a case of how you differentiate yourself in this, in this regard. Anna Games, Chief Executive of Africa at Work.